Everything, everything. Uh, turn with me really quickly to, we're going to start here in Jeremiah 29, 11. Most of you know it. It's a fan favorite. <laughs> it says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Uh, if you're taking notes, you should be. Uh, but if, if you're not, uh, you should be. But if you're taking notes, if you need a title for your notes, uh, just say out loud, it's time for a little R&R. That's it. Thank you so much. Can we just, I'm the worship pastor, so indulge me, okay? Can we just thank God for our worship team, our minstrels, and our worship leaders? Come on, can the rest of y'all just, just thank God for them? Amen. Amen. Um, Amen. We, we, just, we have a great group of people. And, and while I'm at it, um, can we thank God just for all of our, our leaders, our pastors and leaders here at All Nations? I'm telling you, listen. Let me tell you, an apostle mentioned it in his introduction video. This, it's quite a compliment and a testament for um, the, the entire top tier of leadership to be absent from a church on a Sunday morning. It speaks so well of the leadership that they've trained and put in place to trust literally the assignment of God to the people of God. It's such an amazing thing. So we really should thank God for all that he's given us. Amen? Amen. So we are in, this is, uh, this, I'm not sure if it's the last week, but this is the third week of the double series. And for those that uh, have not been here for the last two weeks, uh, Apostle uh, Sherman made it very clear. The Lord instructed him to literally preach you into double, to preach you into double. Um, and that's that's very important um, for you to understand, uh, because uh, the reality is for things of God, nothing will happen unless it's declared to you first. I'll say it again. Nothing will happen unless it's declared to you first. The Bible says God does nothing in the earth, nothing unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophet. Why is that? Because God works with his word. And so unless he releases a word into the earth, nothing will happen in the earth. The Bible says thy word, O God, is forever settled in heaven. It's not settled on earth. So in order for anything to happen on earth, a word has to be released on earth. Are you there? And so uh, the reason that he said he had to preach you into double is because unless that idea is placed within your spirit, you'll never move into it. Are you still there? And so um, and what I've found even in prayer, um, this concept is, is overwhelming to some. The concept of double is overwhelming to some because some of us don't even know how we're making what we got right now. Some of us don't know how we're managing the, the little bit that we have. And so the concept of even moving into a place where we have more than what we have is, has been overwhelming some of us. And for that reason, you haven't been able to fully receive even the proclamation of double in your life. 
Are you still there? Um, and so here's the thing. Um, you should feel that way. Because God never shows you anything that's within your reach. That's how you know it's God. If you can do it on your own, then you don't need God for it. And God is never going to put you in a position where you don't need him for something. Are you there? Uh, And this is why you will never, ever hear this very clearly. You will never be in a place where you will not have to actively use your faith in relation to following God. I'll say it again. You'll never be in a place where you won't have to utilize your faith to move with God because that's who it is. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Everything we do as believers is by faith. Every single thing we do is by faith because you and I are the just. We are the righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the just shall live by faith. So there's nothing you and I will do that doesn't require some form of faith. Are you still there? Uh, And this is why, again, Apostle Sherman made that declaration, uh, because you can't grow faith unless you hear the word of God. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I understand that you heard something, but it's important that you keep hearing it. Faith cometh by hearing, not having heard. So you need to keep hearing that God wants you to have double for your faith for double to grow. It doesn't matter that you heard it. You have to keep hearing it in order for your faith to grow. Are you there? And so um, the reality is you and I actually, we are limited within ourselves. You can't do it by yourself. No matter what the, it is, you, you, it doesn't matter. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Your strength is actually limited. And so once you embrace that reality and let it free you to fully come into the anointing that is Christ, you will be able to accept everything God says to you. Because here's the reality. God has always planned on more for you. He just didn't tell you about it all yet. And I'm going to show you in just a moment. Uh, again, the title is, is Time for a Little R&R. Somebody tell me what's the general concept of what R&R is. That's what apostles are doing right now. They're getting a little R&R, a little rest, a little relaxation. Uh, the context is a little different here. Um, Isaiah 55, <clears throat> 8 and 9, it's, it's, one of, it's such an enlightening passage because uh, many of us really uh, don't understand that this is the reality. Until we start to renew our minds to the word of God and in the word of God, this is the actual reality. Isaiah 55, this is God talking. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are, are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here's the reality. God does not think the way that we do. God does not do things the way that we do. Chances are, I'm a, you know, I'm a financial analyst by career, by career choice. Um, That's my training. That's what my degree is in beyond music. Um, And so I I deal with a lot of probabilities. Okay. Um, Chances are 
God's not going to change how he does things. I'm just playing the probabilities just from, from eternity to right about now. Um, chances are, if someone's going to change, it's going to be us. And so the reality is the, the way to line up with what God is saying and doing, what he's thinking, how he's moving, is to understand his thoughts and his ways. God is not going to conform to our ways and how we think and how we feel. And so when he says in our opening passage, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, it says to give you a future and a hope. That word future there actually translates expected end. It's not just a time beyond now going forward. It's an expected end. And I'm going to show you in the word uh, as we walk here that God has always wanted double for you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Um, And so when we talk of double and we talk of increase, um, here's what happens. The first thing that normally comes to mind is what we've lost. Because in our minds, we think linearly, right? So we think if this is one thing and double is two things, if we've lost some of the one thing, then we have to get back to one to get to two, right? Because we think we got diminished by losing whatever we lost here. So we're thinking in our minds, we got to get back what was lost in order to get more on top of what we should have. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, But I'm going to show you God's view is unaffected by any of those things. God is not affected by what we've lost. God is not affected by the things we think we should have. I'm going to show you how. Uh, As a matter of fact, God has already factored in the R&R. Let me just tell you what the R&R is. The first R is recovery, and the second one is restoration. So when it says it's time for some R&R, it's time for some recovery, and it's time for some restoration. Now, and I want you to get this because uh, we've confused the two. I'm going to explain how in a minute. But recovery and restoration are not the same thing. And I'm going to show you that what we think of restoration is not God's idea of restoration. I'm going to show you in just a moment. So, uh, so... Here it is. Recovery is getting back what was lost. Getting back what was lost. Go to 1 Samuel 30. We're going to skip around here, um, but I promise if you stay with me, we will get where we're supposed to get together. So 1 Samuel 30, verse number 3. I'm just going to kind of paint the picture for you. It says, so David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. So I just want to paint the picture before we move, move forward. Uh, so this is David, uh, who's, who is becoming King David. Um, and they were, out, they were out, I believe they were out in battle. When they came back to the stronghold city they were in, the enemy had invaded the city and had kidnapped all of their people and taken all of their stuff. Okay? So I want you to get the picture because some of you feel like that now. That the enemy just came in and invaded your life, invaded your city, whatever your city is of your life. That's how you feel. That the enemy came in and literally just burned it all up, took everything that belongs to you. Are you still there? Now, here we go. So I'm skipping here, but go to verse number eight. I want you to see this. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them 
and without fail recover all. Let me stop for a second. I want you to understand, David is a warrior. This is the David and Goliath David. This is the David who was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine about Goliath David? Fearless. I mean, killing lions and bears. He's a warrior. But yet he still inquired of the Lord. And let me encourage someone. It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how talented you are, how much you think you know about whatever you think you know, you must inquire of the Lord. You must inquire of the Lord. It doesn't matter how good you think you are at whatever it is. You got to seek the Lord on what to do and how to do it. And so we're moving on. Go to verse 18. Let me just show you. So God, God told them, go, go do it. You will surely recover all. Verse 18. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Uh, is that it? Yeah. And 19 uh, says... And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Hallelujah. So let me prophesy to some of you in here, you really are recovering all. You really are getting it all back. I, I'm this, it's only for some of you. I'm going to tell you why. Because there are some things some of you are trying to recover that God doesn't want you to have anymore. There are some jobs, some careers, some relationships, some situationships. There are some things God just simply doesn't want you to have anymore. And so you're fighting, kicking, scratching, praying, fasting, trying to get God to help you recover, and God doesn't want you to have it. Go ahead on and eat. Just go eat. He doesn't want you to have that thing back. I'll move on because it got real tight. It was like, <laughs> So, but David recovered all the things he lost. Uh, but again, God doesn't want everyone to have everything back. Some things God never wanted you to have in the first place. And so, that is recovery. Getting back exactly what you lost. That's recovery. That's happening on some levels for some people. For others, it's not happening. I want to, I want to tell you so you can let it go. I, and this is, and again, this don't 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 misunderstand what I'm saying here. It's not that God doesn't want great things for you, but there are certain things God does not want you to have anymore. I need you to get this part. I don't know why I'm stuck here, but there are some things you need to let go of because and you won't even know this but it's not God's best for you it's just not and you may not see it that way I, I can testify to this I was kicking scratching fighting doing everything 40 day fast I've done it I'm, I'm serious I was hungry at the end but I, <laughs> I understand now and I couldn't see it then but I understand now it was not God's best for me. And I need some of you to grab this because you're, you're misinterpreting some things. And I wonder, Jesus, do I have time? So, especially with this relationship thing, I understand how much you've invested in some of these relationships. 
I and listen, and God, listen, listen to me. I'm not contradicting. God hates the. I'm going to go that far. God hates divorce. He hates it. But that doesn't mean that he still doesn't want you to not have it if it's not his best for you. Oh, God. How did I get way out here? I need someone to, God, I need you to be released. <laughs> I, I need you to get released. It, 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 it probably was God's intent. But God is not going to force anyone to do anything. God is not going to force his will on anyone. So if people make the decision to go against God, God is not going to continue to allow that to mess your life up. So you are the ones that needs to just let it go and let God bring you into what he wants you to have. All right. I don't know who that was for, but there it is. Are y'all still there? Man, that, that, that wasn't in my notes, just so you know. Uh, and so and this is a prophetic house. Y'all still there? So this is a prophetic house. And so here's the problem with, with prophetics. <clears throat> um, the, the problem with prophetics is we see things, right? And because we see things, we know things. We know. We know what the Lord said. We see what the Lord showed us. You can't tell me nothing. I'm a prophet. Huh? I see that thing. You can't tell me. I know what I saw. I know what the Lord said. But here's the other, here's the other side of it. Um, God is God. And so, um, and don't, don't confuse what I'm saying. Because God absolutely shows us things. But this is why we have to keep hearing what God is saying. Here's my example. God absolutely told Abraham, sacrifice Isaac. That, that was absolutely the word of the Lord. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But if Abraham didn't get the update, he would have been in disobedience had he done so. So God told Abraham, sacrifice Isaac to me. Then he told him to stop. So if you don't stay before the Lord, you won't get the update for the rest of what he's saying to you. And I'm going to show you on screen. Y'all know the, the, the love chapter? You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long, so all that, you know, all that, right? If you keep reading, he gives some instruction here. 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, but verse number 8, would you look at it? It says, love never fails. So before that was all that, love is patient, love is kind, all that kind of stuff. It ends up here, love never fails. But here, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. What? <laughs> Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Keep going. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Here's the rest. But when that which is perfect has come, 
then that which is in part will be done away. So here's the problem. When you build everything on the little part God gave you, you don't know what to do when God gives the rest of it. And some of us have built our lives on the little part. God showed you when you were 16. Now you're 45 holding on to it because you won't get the update. Let me calm down. Because it's not God's heart. God wants the best for you. But if you want to accept it, what is he going to do? And part of the problem is the double, you're hearing that part, but then your mind immediately goes to what you don't have, what you can't do, how you can't make it happen. Let me free you. You can't make it happen. You were never supposed to make it happen. (laughs) He's the one that's bringing the double to you. The only reason God, let me tell you this. Can I say it just as plainly? The only reason God shares anything with us is just so we will cooperate with him. That's it. God does not need our help to do anything. He created this whole planet without our help. I mean, he didn't call near one of us saying, hey, you know, what do you, I'm looking at, let me just run this by you. I'm just, no, God does not need your help to shape your life the way he wants to see it. And so we saw recovery. Recovery is getting back what you lost. But we've re- we have confused recovery with restoration. Recovery and restoration are two different things. And here's the thing. Uh, Biblical restoration is not getting back what was lost. I'll say it again. Biblical restoration is not getting back what was lost. That's recovery. Biblical restoration is receiving what God always meant for you to have. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you right now. Okay? I'm going to show you that God always wanted you to have double. And what's happening now is the time has come into the place where the revelation of it is now coming into your purview. I'm going to show you. James 5, 11. I love, and I, love, I love the word because the word, it says, it says line upon line, precept upon precept, a, a little here, a little here, a little there. I, I love it because the word explains itself. It always does, right? So here, here we are in James, which is way at the end of the New Testament, right? But just look, look at what it says. It says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. And seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. I want you to get this. Because Job is way on the other side of the Old Testament. Way on the other side. But this, this passage here in James is explaining something about Job that's way on the other side. So again, it says, see the end intended by the Lord. 
I want you to get this. That's not along the same language of the expected end. The future of Job, God always had in mind. Mm. I'm going to show you in a minute. Let's, let's, let's go right there. Let's go to Job. I'm just, I'm just going to walk through Job just a little bit, okay? And it's going to take maybe four minutes. But just stick with me. It'll make sense, okay? So Job 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz, for those that don't know the story of Job, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. Let me stop there. Because some of you, I'm going to tell you what it is, because I, I, I battle with it sometimes too. You know you're doing what you're supposed to do. You know you've done what you're supposed to do before the Lord. I mean, in secret, in private, you know, you're doing the right thing. You've worked, you've, you've developed that character, you've gotten rid of all of those things, those secret sins, all of that stuff. You know you're living right before the Lord. You're faithful in ministry. You give what you know you're supposed to give. You do the things you're supposed to do, and then boom, hell still hits your life. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> God, I thought if I did right, that everything would be fine. I don't deserve this. Anybody ever say that to God? I don't deserve this. This shouldn't be happening to me. This isn't right. Quotes believers say. Okay, next verse. And seven sons and three daughters were born. I want you to keep track of these numbers for me, okay? Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, of, uh, yeah, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. You see that, right? All right, you see, you see, like Job was, he was doing what he was supposed to do before God, and he was blessed, right? Beyond measure, one of the, the most blessed in that whole region. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A blame, God calls him blameless and upright, one who fears God and shuns evil. Satan said, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to stop there for a second. What? <laughs> it, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? But understand, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. So fast forward, Job lost everything. His whole family, gone. All his possessions, gone. Go to chapter 2. Not done yet. Then the Lord said to Satan. Now, mind you, everything's gone. He lost everything. His kids, everybody, dead. Everything, gone. Right? Job lost everything in chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although he lost everything. He's still standing where he's supposed to stand. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. God even admits, look, he didn't deserve this. He didn't do anything to do it, but he still let it happen. So God is like, hey, you want some more? Go back in there. Go on, Satan. He's not done yet. Come on. Go take some more from him. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. What? Lord, what? How? 
this doesn't make any sense. Lord, I don't deserve this. This isn't right. Yada, yada, yada. That's how we do. Okay? So the rest, the next 40 chapters in Job is basically Job venting, questioning God, trying to understand what happened. And if you notice, let me just help you here with some of these prayers that we pray. God never told them what was happening. He never said, Job, listen, buddy. Um, Satan and I got a little thing going on. Just hang in there. It'll be all right. Now, <laughs> he never gave him that information. As a matter of fact, he responded with, who are you to question me? Who do you think you are asking me these kind of questions? Where, kind of what we said earlier, where were you when I was hanging the sun, the moon, and the stars? So fast forward, Job 42.5. Now understand, James says, see the end intended by the Lord. So two things happen here. Job 42.5 says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. So all of this before, this, this whole experience brought Job to a new revelation of who God is. That's, that's the key part of this experience. Now let me show you the rest of it. Job, do me a favor. Put up Job 42.12 first, and then we're going to go back to 10. Put up 42.12, and this is what it says. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job. Somebody was tracking those numbers for me, right? In his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 1, yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. How much is that? Is that double? Okay, now go back to verse 10. Let me show you. Let me show you something. It says, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Stop. The problem here, our version of restoration is getting back what we had before. But the problem with his being restored, he never had twice of what he had before. Y'all missing it. I'll see it. It's floating right over you. He never had twice of what he had. So how could he be restored in our understanding of restoration? Being restored is getting back, in our mind, what we lost. God's restoration is giving you what he always wanted you to have from eternity. And let me just give you, I don't have time to go there because my time is almost gone. But if you read through the book of Exodus, and again in Deuteronomy... The Bible says, the whole, in the whole chapter 22, I believe, if the thief be found, he must restore double. Let me, let me just help you understand. It's seeping in because some of you are like, what does that got to do with anything? Because one of the fast, oh God, this is going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to do it. One of the fastest ways for God to increase you is to allow the enemy to attack your life. I know we don't like hearing that kind of stuff because we like the whole, you know, everything's coming up roses life. We don't like challenges. We don't like processing. We don't like these kinds of things. But the reality is, according to scripture, the quickest way for you to increase is for God to allow the enemy into your life. I just shared this with somebody. It always bothered me. Psalm 23, and we're going to go there in a minute uh, to look at something else. But it always bothered me. Why would God prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies? Why would you do that? 
They're my enemies. Enemies are thieves and murderers and all these kind of things. Why would you prepare a table before me in front of thieves? They're just going to take something off of my table. But the reality is, the quickest way for us to increase is if the thief be found. Because then the enemy must, the thief must restore double. I got to go. Psalm 23. I mean, let's go. Psalm 23.3. Let me show you. It says, you know, we know the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shut I want all that makes green pastures. Verse 3. He restores my soul. Wait a minute. How can your soul be restored if you were never saved? <laughs> Some of you catching like, oh, yeah. He restores your soul to the place he always saw it from eternity. I can't even stay there. You don't believe me. Go to 1 Timothy 2. Because y'all looking at me like, well, what? I'm going to show you. 1 Timothy 2, 2 and 3. It says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. That's who's talking. That's who's talking about. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's desire. Always was from the beginning. He always desired all men to be saved. So when he says he restores my soul, he restores the soul to the place he always saw it from his seat in eternity. And this is to help you who, who really look down upon people who have not yet accepted his gift of righteousness yet. We can't do that because God always sees them the way he always saw them. I can't even stay there. Let me show you the last thing as my time completely runs out. Go to Luke 6. Luke 6, it says, now it happened, verse number 6, on another Sabbath also he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. Okay? Uh, so Jesus, again, I'm going to paint the picture as we go. Verse 8, but he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and so stop here for a second. Listen, I want to paint the picture. This man born with a withered hand. So his hand was not, it didn't work, it wasn't there. His hand never worked, ever in his life. You see it? His, he, never had a, he never had a working hand, ever in his life. Jesus noticed him. So let me just tell you this. If you believe in your heart that God does not see your pain, you're wrong. He, Jesus just saw him on a certain day. So while he was just sitting in church, like he always does, Jesus looked at him and focused on him. Let me just encourage you. You remain faithful to what God has called you to and what he has called you to do. God sees every single thing that you deal with and that you go through. But let me just move on here. It says, so Jesus pointed him out, highlighted him, said, arise. He told him to stand up and arise. Verse 10 and he looked around at them, and he said to them, to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, look at what it says, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Wait a minute. The man never had a working hand. So how could his hand be restored? 
See, y'all not getting this. It was restored to the place that God always saw it from the beginning. God always saw him with two hands. My God. He always saw him having a whole hand, even though his entire life to that point, he never had a working one. So let me wrap this up. I got to go. My time is gone, so I just got to stop. I'm not done. I just got to stop. I want you to understand this. God has always wanted double for you. Come on. God has always wanted double for you. Always wanted. He always had it planned for you. You just haven't been ready for it yet. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, he says, I have many things to say to you, many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So it's never an issue of whether or not God has more for us. It's always an issue of whether or not we're able to bear what he has to say. I'm declaring to you, tagging with the man and woman of God, that God desires double for you. But understand, it's not anything you have to do. It's something he's already done. And if you can embrace that truth, it's a revelation that if you can embrace that God has always wanted, planned for, prepared more for you and all you have to do is cooperate with what he's doing it's his idea of double for you not yours it's his thoughts his ways he's going to do it the way he wants to do it he's going to bring you into it when he wants to bring you into it you don't have to do anything but agree with him He always wanted double for you. And so for for some of us, it may mean some changes from what we've known before. Just like the man with the withered hand, his whole life, he had learned how to function with one hand. His whole life was, was literally built around operating with one hand. And in a moment, God doubled his ability. And it took some work, I'm sure. He had to unlearn some things that his whole life he had been doing. He probably had a handicap placard on his camel. <laughs> he probably did because that was his life with a withered hand. He, 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 in his mind, he had accepted, this is just who I am, this is my life. Never had he even imagined having double his capacity. And he was still faithful. He was in the synagogue. He was faithful. I'm sure he had a full life, probably had a family. And they had, they had all accommodated his, his disability, his withered hand. But in a moment, God doubled. God restored him to what he always wanted him to have. So I just want to pray for you. You don't need to leave your seat. But if if that's you, if you've been struggling with the idea 
that God wants double for me. You've been fighting. How's this going to happen? I want to believe it, God, but I just can't for some, I, I just, I, I can't get past these mind barriers. My life has always been this way. My life has always been limited. How can I increase? How can I have double? Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. If you've been struggling with that, I see you. Yeah. 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 So listen, lay that hand on yourself. We're going to pray right now. And I'm telling you, today, if you will receive it, a revelation of God's restored idea of you is about to invade your mind. For some of us, recovery is absolutely coming on the way to restoration. But for some of us, just in an instant, God is restoring you to the idea he's had for you from the very beginning. Today is the day. Today is the day your mind gets renewed to think like God thinks about you. To operate the way God wants you to regarding your life. Today's the day. Come on, keep that hand on yourself. So Father, I thank you. My God. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this moment. Thank you for desiring more for us. And so right now, God, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for my sister. I thank you that you have always wanted more for them. I thank you, God, for the grace that you've given them their entire lives to this point. But God, I thank you that now is the time that you are revealing that restoration is coming to them in the name of Jesus. So Father, right now, I thank you for restoration, the God kind of restoration that brings double in the name of Jesus. I, even now by the Spirit of God, I break those barriers of limitations in your mind in the name of of Jesus. I declare scales are falling off of your eyes right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you are sending the spirit of wisdom even now to infiltrate every mind, every spirit that has been blocked, that has been lacking in the name of Jesus. Your word says if we lack wisdom, just ask of God and you give liberally without repro reproach. Father, there is no penalty for not knowing what we don't know. But you said you give liberal wisdom, the God kind of wisdom, the one that was with you from the beginning. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I loose the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God to manage the double that comes with the restoration, the wisdom of God that manages the stewardship that comes with double in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. Restoration has come. Restoration has come. Say it out loud. Say, I am being restored. Come on, say it again with some strength. I am being restored. Thank you, Father. We loose the spirit of, re of restoration in the name of Jesus. We loose the spirit of revelation, illumination. I thank you, Father. We can see it now in the name of Jesus. We can see it now in the name of Jesus. We can see it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.